electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber, coming to you live from separate locations. We're coming off the first close above 3K since March, and futures indicate more tailwinds for the bulls. Despite jobless claims, 10 weeks in a row now, of two million plus Q1 GDP down five, oil relatively steady as the reopening trade, Jim, uh, really getting reflected today in some of these comments out of retailers like Burlington, ANF, uh, Dollar Tree, and Dollar General. Yes, yeah, so if you take a look at the Dollar General, the numbers are just extraordinary. Uh, I actually have never seen a comp store sales number this good. 21 versus a 7% estimate. Although Dollar Tree is going to be the one, David knows as well, that people look like, you know what, now the Dollar Tree family dollar merger, which had been so on the rocks, well, the judgment is it's working, and that stock could power much higher, Dollar Tree. Uh, the opening trade is sapping the money out of tech. I don't know how much longer it can last. That's such a great booking, Gary, because he knows so much about what people are spending. Remember, they're essential because they have food. And uh, I look at this market and I think, how long, with the Dow up 4%, can we actually say, hey, the reopening trade is just starting? It's already maybe too far too fast. It's very hard to figure, particularly because Fang is being distorted by the president's tweets. Uh, Facebook being lumped in with Twitter. But, David, uh, this Dollar Tree uh, is the tail of the tape here because that shows what people are doing with their stimulus dollars. They're going and they're spending it on the, on, on those things, Jim. Uh, do you think it's sustainable? Is it something that when you look at the comps there, you expect will will continue? Uh, after listening to the excellent Brian Moynihan interview this morning, from Squawk, I think, yeah, I think you got until the unemployment benefits run, uh, run out. That's going to be the big question, not this. We have 40 million people. I mean, one in four. I mean, that's a rather, you know, that's the depression, okay? And uh, the the NASDAQ is, uh, what, off a few percent from its high. Total, a total divorce from uh, the reality that's on the, on the street. But as long as the stimulus stays in, as long as, as, as bonds like Macy's, uh, they had six for one, six, to- six times oversubscribed for an 8% bond. As long as the unemployment benefits remain so high, this can continue. Uh, I, Carl, I got to tell you, we've never had uh, such a forceful reaction. It's the exact opposite of the Great Depression. It's the exact opposite of the Great Recession. So it's confounding people. But yep. boy, there's a lot of money out there. Uh, you're not kidding. Uh, I think, was it Jamie Dimon this week had said, Fick might be up 50 percent uh, year on year. I think we're going to crack a trillion in IG new issuance for the year now. So, Jim, is your playbook is are you going to wait for corporate debt to tell you that it's time for equities to take a breather? 
Uh, well, I'm, I'm with a barbell trade, which is that you can do uh, a lot of, of opening trade, but you've got to start thinking about, I mean, if you're really going to take recession off the table with 40 million unemployed, I think that shows a lack of foresight. Uh, but lack of, speaking of lack of foresight, we did have a couple of very big hedge fund managers come on and really talk about the doomsday. And the doomsday playbook uh, hasn't played out. Uh, we never retraced back to the March low. We, we, one of the things that's really incredible is uh, small cap. How are they doing so well? Small cap represents America, I thought. And I thought America was was uh, in tatters. So uh, I think that I'm afraid to go all in uh, on this reopen trade since it's already had a pretty big run. But there, there's still some catch-ups. I mean, Toll Brothers last night was really good. We haven't had the rails really go far. I don't know how far much further the airlines can go. But if you say that, uh, that American... Uh, cutting 30% means that they're going to actually prosper, then go for it. Uh, we are at a really critical juncture because it's, it, it feels like that, that there are a lot of people who want to say, you know what, ignore the unemployment number, full speed ahead. And then there are a lot of other people who say, are, we, are you kidding me? One out of four people are, are uh, on the employment line. The July, the numbers go back to what unemployment is. The money runs out. And we're going to be saying, how the heck did we get up this high? Very split market, uh, two very opposing camps. And it's so vociferous that you think that it's, it's not argumentative. It's actually just at this point dog, dogmatic and uh, very philosophical, meaning that there are a lot of people who feel that I'm going to use a term that I shouldn't, but that the coronavirus was a hoax, meaning that it was just a bad cold. I think those of us who live here feel that that's a, an atrocious judgment. But there do, does feel a lot of people who say, you know what, we never should have been closed to begin with. There's so much pent up demand. Why do we need social distancing will be the next thing that you hear in 10 days. Right. And then the question will be whether we get a significant recurrence fairly soon or a big second wave in the fall, Jim. Yeah. You've pointed to the pandemic of 1918, of course, or whether we don't, in which case those who who question the response uh, may have even more uh, ammunition well, in terms of supporting their contentions. That said, of course, there is also the fact that we came into this without perhaps enough of a plan in general to sort of try to understand exactly what it was we were dealing with and set out exactly what we were going to try to achieve. It's been kind of always evolving, difficult, of course, given how little we still seem to know about the virus itself. But, Jim, if I could come back to the markets for a moment. You know, you're sort of painting this picture that that we've been hearing about lately, which is the economy and the stock market are just not the same thing. Now, I, having done this as a financial journalist for 33 years, I mean, I've sort of generally drawn conclusions about the market from the economy or vice versa. Uh, Should I no longer be doing that if I'm an investor? You can't. You can't do it. Uh, The the big companies are too big. Uh, They are um, when when Jerome Powell allowed anyone to be ra- to raise money, uh, it kept afloat a lot of companies that I think you and I both know would have gone under. We don't need to list them, but they're, they're palpable. And it left uh, small companies to do terribly. Now, you have to think at a certain point, the people who work at the small companies after PPP, run, the paycheck protection runs out, or the employment insurance, which is often higher than the PPP, runs out, that this all could be a chimerical, that we could be on total quicksand. Uh, but, David, if you look at the boarded up uh, stores that we see in many towns, it, it, they're the little guy. And you have to think that the little guy yeah. 
uh, that those people can't go out. But they're, so they're going to Dollar General. They're not going yeah. to Macy's. Right. Right. But I, you have these conversations. I know you do during the course of the day because I find myself sort of whipsawed. I mean, we look at the markets. We talk about the Fed support. We talk about the success of so many of the big cap companies in terms of this environment. But then you have during the course of the day, Gary Philbin, by the way, will be joining us, of course, CEO of Dollar Tree, but later in the program. But then, Jim, you, you, you talk to people through the day or telling you, well, I'm, I, I got layoffs planned. Uh, I'm still concerned about what's coming. Uh, I still don't know about demand. I'm still going to cut CapEx. I still am worried about my marketing spend. You know, all those things. And then you come in every morning and the S&P's up another 1%. Oh, okay. Oh, look, okay, Carl, to bring it back to mainstream, there's a note today on Royal Caribbean. Okay, so we, what do we know about the cruise lines? Epicenter of the pandemic. Uh, Japan, about half of the people who got sick we're from a cruise line, okay? And I'll mention it's Carnival. I think Carnival's a wonderful company. I think Royal Caribbean is an amazing. Norwegian's my absolute favorite. Now, these companies, they've all been able to raise money. They all have bookings that are well ahead of where, they were, where we would expect them in 2021. And, I, I, and these are not uh, people who ride. The cruise ships are made up of people who are working at the small and medium-sized business. So the, the, I think that the great quandary we feel is who is who's booking and how is it possible and how about we take brian moynihan's notion of maybe we're just a richer country or that we have many more people who are doing well or we're doing well and actually saved and i think it's the saving quotient that we don't think of people think of america's reckless spenders obviously everyone seems to have learned something from 2008 2009 the fed learned people learned to save uh they are spendthrifts when we want them to be spendthrifts. The kids are living on the mattress at home. Now they're starting to think about $80,000 college, whether that's worth it. We are a country that reminds me of the great of what happened after the Great Depression with our parents or grandparents, where every penny was saved. We're not putting enough credence in what was in the bank account of people before this and how it's lasting for them. Plus, remember, no one's spending on anything because okay. there was no place yeah, to well, go. Uh, the f- the Treasury spending and the Fed spending, they're spending, Jim, $24 trillion national debt on our way to who knows where. And a, what balance sheet of the Fed is going to be, what, $8 trillion at the end of the well, year? What are you going to do Look, when you That's go where the spending's coming from. But, but when you go back to the Great Depression, we study Great Depression in school. And what do we learn? The Fed tightened in 37. And that's why the only reason the Depression ended was because of World War II. We look back and we think, how stupid could they have been? Well, now, I mean, I can't say... How stupid they've been. This is what I've been railing against 1937 forever. I mean, you got to go take that that course where the Fed said, hey, we're safe. Well, I mean, I think that Jay, Jerome Powell, when this is over, uh, he's not going to be known as the guy who created Weimar Republican wheelbarrow dollars. I think he's going to be the guy who saved us from, from an, a level of deflation that would have been very much like what happened in Germany and another area that, area that you don't want to talk about. Right. Yeah. Uh, even amid more discussion today, guys, that the Fed is having actually to not spend the amount of money they've actually spent is maybe lower than you might have expected. The jawboning uh, was just incredibly effective. Uh, the other big story today, guys, we're going to wait for this executive order to come out of the White House. We've gotten reports about a draft, uh, but obviously targeting social media companies, trying to prod regulators to rethink the law that protects them uh, from being sued or being held liable for their content. Uh, Sorkin did talk to Mark Zuckerberg about that, about small business and a lot of other things. Some of that ran this morning on Squawk. 
our policies are grounded in right. trying to give people as much voice as possible while saying, if you're going to harm people in specific ways, right, if you're going to do something that's going to cause violence, or um, if you're saying that something is a cure to a disease that has been proven to be a cure, but it's right. not, um, and that could lead people to um, either not seek a, an, another treatment or do something that could be harmful, um, we'll take that down no matter who says that. You know, we, we had a case recently right. um, where the Brazilian president was saying that um, that hydro, hydroxychloroquine was proven by scientists to be um, to be safe, um, and, and we had to make the difficult decision of, of taking that down, even though we want to provide as much uh, voices as possible. Um, so there are lines, and we right. will enforce them. Um, but uh, but I think in general, you want to give um, as wide of a, of a voice as possible, and I think you want to have a special deference to political speech. Jack Dorsey last night uh, tweeting, fact check, there is someone ultimately accountable for our actions as a company, and that's me. Please leave our employees out of this. We'll continue to point out incorrect or disputed information about elections globally. And he goes on to say, it doesn't make us an arbiter of truth. Our intention is to connect the dots of conflicting statements and show the information in dispute so people can judge for themselves. Uh, Jim, how much, how much pressure do these stocks deserve to be under today? Uh, not that much, I think, uh, because uh, remember, they're still based on earnings. Uh, and I think that what will happen is, is that even if the Section 230 is, uh, that's what the, the exception they have, they can basically be like considered as common carriers. Uh, it, it, even if it's discussed, it won't be taken away, I don't think. Uh, it is interesting, the example that, that Mark Zuckerberg did. I'm not sure whether it was intentional or not, but he said that they had to take down that the Brazilian president said the hydroxy was safe. We have a president who doesn't say it's safe. We have a president who says it should be used. Well, <laughs> kind of ironic, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think that... They, look, he, I'm sorry, Dave. Go ahead. No, no, that's... Uh, listen, he also discussed, Jim, uh, during the, the, the interview with Andrew, voter suppression, and if they see things that would lead to potential sending people to the polls at the wrong day or the wrong time, they would take that down as well. But, Jim, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to read the order, and we should remind people Section 230 was designed to address court decisions really in the earliest days of the Internet um, so that if you engage in any editing uh, of content or restricting the content, then you potentially were considered a publisher and therefore open to liability right. um, and things like defamation and, 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 and liable for torts. But my question is, in reading this, what is going to then they, they were they had an out and it, it, they had were protected from civil liability uh, when acts in when it was acting in good faith to restrict access to content that was considered obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing or otherwise objectionable. So that's your 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 exempted there. Right. So where is the line drawn now? You know, when when people say, OK, you've got to allow free speech, you've got to do things that are, you know, that are uh, that allow free speech and a publisher or speaker is allowed to uh, engage in, in whatever they want to say and you can't edit it. I, I, I guess my question is, where's the line drawn here? Well, what I'm constitutes what we just what I just said and what doesn't? Well, I always think that Mark Benioff, who's on uh, Mad Money tonight, the CEO of Salesforce, often talks about about the notion. Well, you, look, you, you let's say the New York Times uh, were to take the just print things that were uh, untrue. 
uh, it would also have a counter saying it was untrue. And uh, I think that the I totally understand, by the way, the president's view is not outrageous in the sense that you you, uh, you don't want anyone to contradict you if you're not lying. Uh, and you could argue that some of this stuff is 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 bias. I'm not going to totally diss the president's position, but I think it's a dead a dead end because in the end, you know, this is not a presidential. There's this First Amendment. There's Commerce Clause. There are a lot, there's a lot of th- people in uh, Congress, uh, Justice, and the Supreme Court are all going to get involved in this thing in the end. Justice, obviously, already. And so an executive order is the beginning, not the end. Right. Uh, even as we speak, guys, Bolsonaro is on the tape saying that his opponents are trying to oust him in Brazil uh, by silencing social media that backs him. Clearly a global story. A lot more to get to this morning. We'll talk about uh, Boeing resuming production of the MAX, uh, some of the guidance we're getting on employment out of the airlines, obviously a ton of retail from Burlington to A&F to Dollar Tree and Dollar General. We're back in a minute. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. China's legislature has approved a proposal to impose a new national security law on Hong Kong. Question is, what happens now? Our Eunice Yoon is in Beijing today. Hi, Eunice. Hey, Carl. Well, China's premier defended the decision, saying that the national security laws protect the long-term prosperity of the city. This comes after the uh, what people often describe as a rubber stamp parliament overwhelmingly approved the legislation, 2,878 in favor and only one against. Now, this vote allows Beijing to tighten its controls over the territory, which generally up till now has been running its own affairs separate from mainland China. Now, uh, top officials will be able to work out the details of this legislation, um, including uh, what exactly is defined as an activity that would be considered subversive to the Chinese state and when and how they plan to open up um, intelligence agencies within the city. Now, as you can imagine, There are many people in Hong Kong who are worried about the implications this means for their freedoms. Uh, Many of them are now looking to the U.S. for a response. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo had said that he believed and that the U.S. believed that uh, Hong Kong is no longer autonomous from mainland China. And uh, that President Trump had promised earlier this week that something uh, would be uh, done about it uh, by the United States. So a lot of people watching that, a lot of speculation about what that's going to be, whether or not that meant visa restrictions for Chinese officials, a freeze on transactions, or possibly the U.S. pulling its uh, uh, its uh, long-term uh, relationship and, trading, and preferential trading status with 
with uh, Hong Kong. So that has been raising a lot of concerns in Hong Kong among business people there who I speak to. Some of them say that um, their manufacturing and shipments uh, out of Hong Kong uh, could face higher tariffs, and uh, generally they're worried about the business climate. In fact, the American Chamber of Commerce had said that uh, these tensions are now at a whole new level. Guys? Uh, Eunice, we're going to wait to see how the U.S. does respond. Uh, the president did promise there would be a response of some kind. Uh, Eunice, thanks. Our Eunice Yoon in Beijing today. Take a quick break here. As we said, futures looking pretty green as nearly all of the names on the S&P 500 are trading above their 50-day moving average. Back in a moment. For more than a decade, Comcast has been committed to bridging the digital divide and connecting millions to affordable high-speed Internet. But the barriers to get connected go well beyond affordability. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to reach millions with digital skills training, resources, and opportunities needed to succeed in a digital world. Project Up, building a future of unlimited possibilities. Learn more at Comcast.com slash Project Up. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. The data this morning, not so good. Uh, jobless claims another 2 million. GDP down 5, one of the worst numbers on record. Durables down 17. But as we've seen... That tends not to get in the market's way. Dow looks to open up uh, 240 in just a few moments. Welcome back to Squawk on the Street as we get you ready for an opening bell on this Thursday, about four minutes from now. Let's squeeze in a mad dash. I know last night, Anil Busri, the CEO of Workday Gym, was one of your guests on Mad Money, and it's a feature for you on the Mad Dash. Right, and I know that you know Anil, you know what a, a solid shooter he is, and he delivered a number that was not as bad as feared, and an outlook that I regard as being, even though the headline said it was not good, to really be spectacular, because there are a lot of deals that got pushed out, but will be done this quarter. He landed a very big deal, uh, Fannie Mae. He also has announced two market-moving partnerships, one with Salesforce on the uh, reawakening trade, so to speak, because Salesforce has this thing called Work.com. It's really worth looking at. And then Microsoft be able to make it so you don't have to toggle back and forth between Microsoft and Workday. The reason I mention all of this is because this is the stock to watch if the money is going to ever flow back to tech. Uh, otherwise, you know what? David, it's just the it's the recovery trade again, which is the one that confounds most Americans, because how do you recover when you have GDP down five percent? And the answer is the things that we were talking about, which is liquidity, which is the fact that a lot of companies made it that sh- that we would have said didn't uh, couldn't have made it, including again. Let's take a look at Macy's. Look at Kohl's. It's incredible how they were able to raise money. And thank you, Jay Powell, because it was you who did it, not the shoppers at Macy's or Kohl's. Right. Um, the Well, as Carl pointed out, the jawboning alone was certainly enough, or the idea of Fed support being there seemed to be enough to support these investment-grade markets, or even non-investment-grade to a certain extent. And let's not forget the fallen angels is where the Fed also said it would come in potentially right. and help support the market. Those Everybody that were investment-grade huh? that then fell below. Everybody but hurts. I'm so glad you brought that up, because we have had our share of bankruptcies, 
And let's not, of course, forget that it was through no fault of execution on the part of these companies. Hertz had a large debt load. It was backed up by that enormous fleet of cars, the value of which conceivably was going down or their inability to potentially monetize those to actually pay down debt in an effective way, Jim. But the losses there are significant, not the least of which, of course, was for Carl Icahn, who at one point owned as much as 38 percent of the company, had agitated years ago, had uh, people on the board of directors, of course, uh, and sold stock at 72 cents yesterday. Oh, boy. 50 plus million shares, I believe. And and we've got it's incredible. He's got some winners, too. He's a lot of winners. Uh, We have to go to Phil LeBeau on this because there's 700,000 cars that theoretically could hit the market. That's an actual used car market mover. The used used car market has been horrendous. We often forget as we buy the autos and all the auto equivalents uh, as part of the recovery trade that the autos have not have not snapped back. There really isn't anything there other than. well, I mean, I, I maybe Magna because they save money as a parts company. So uh, the auto part of the trade has been uh, not great, as we know from NXP yesterday when during that interview that you got you brought to us where they have too much auto. So uh, we have to watch it here. Watch this work day. It's going to be the tail of the tape, even more than Micron, which yesterday pre-announced a much better than expected quarter. All right, guys, there's the opening bell at the uh, NYC live shot of Times Square. Uh, Jim, I know, speaking of um, cloud names, uh, you got Salesforce tonight. J.P. Morgan this week did do their own channel checks, uh, looking at some of uh, CRM's partners. They weren't all that optimistic. No. uh, Look, I'm betting that uh, Mark has, Mark Benioff, he has a particular uh, plan for companies who want to reopen and reopen in a correct way. And I think if he directs, uh, if, if we see numbers for that that are good, that's going to win over a lot of, uh, of new customers that he did not have before. A lot of people still feast on Oracle. There was a subtext from Neil Bushry about feasting from Oracle. I think that the cloud, the people going to the cloud, companies going to the cloud, it's still early. I know it seemed like everyone's on the cloud. I, I don't want to bet against Mark. This initiative, uh, this work.com initiative is quite impressive. It's the best way to try to figure out what to do for your employees. Employees. Uh, it's almost as if the government should have just figured out what Mark did. Or maybe Mark is the government in this case because it's been so unruly. Uh, I have no criticism of the government. I mean, look, it's hard. I mean, you look, you have Dr. Fauci, a foremost guy. And I don't want to spend too much time on science here. But he, he said, listen, don't wear masks. And now he says, wear a mask. He came out and said, look, there's going to be the fall. It's definitely going to be bad. He comes out and says, now the fall may not be bad. It, it, he has been offering some ill-advised information. And I say that from someone who reveres him. The CDC, too, Jim, the CDC in particular, from the very onset of this crisis, has been very hard to follow. Very. Uh, Again, and the mask thing, what I recall, came from them specifically. Don't worry about wearing masks. Save them for the front line, uh, the, the people on the front lines. And then, of course, that changed. And we look at Asia, where wearing masks had been something that was done in daily life quite frequently. And the rates there are so far lower than we have uh, in this country. Yeah, but, look, they'd do much better yeah, if they just watch right. Dr. It's, Gottlieb in the morning and say, hey, here's what we're going to do today. They should follow him on Twitter. They can say, here's what the plan is. Gottlieb's been so much better than these, uh, Jimmy Chill will say, uh, from these ill-advised people. Uh, and CDC at one time was a great organization and was considered to be the best in the world. And I think when the book is written, they will come under particular criticism for, this, for, for what's happened here. They gave us terrible guidance. 
Jim, um, this is one day where the financials are not uh, leading here. We did get a lot of information from the banks uh, today. American Express at Bernstein yesterday talking about spending improving, but still down right. in the mid-30s. Uh, travel inter entertainment still down uh, 90. And then uh, Brian Moynihan of B of A on Squawk this morning talking about loan deferrals. Here's what he said. You've seen the deferrals in our customers' accounts uh, fall dramatically, deferral requests. So we had probably a million in the first couple of weeks, first three weeks, and then you know we've had in the next five, four, five, six weeks after that, you've had a total of a half million. So it's really dropped. And the last couple of weeks has been in mortgage, for example, you know, very small. And so why is that happening? I think people have adjusted, asked for deferrals. They were shocked by what happened. Once they got that deferral, uh, as in, in the mortgage area, 20, 20 odd percent of the people who asked for deferral went ahead and made their payments, which meant they were in a different condition when payment time came than they thought they'd be when they asked for deferral. Well, he added, Jim, that apparel spending up 50 month on month as people are now obviously starting to broaden their spending patterns. But they're buying the apparel. It, well, Burlington didn't have that great a number because Burlington was closed by the government. You just non-essential. Uh, when you guys interviewed Dollar Tree, uh, I really am curious what, what Philbin says about apparel. They had a very bad apparel lineup uh, during the, uh, early, the uh, fall of last year, winter. Uh, but if they say that the people are buying apparel there, and TJX, another one to watch, that is, stock is going down. Well, it's stupid as a bag of hammers. That company's going to have a, a, a pr pretty interesting situation today. By the way, the recession trade is on. You know, maybe someone's looking at this one out of four people that, it, that and comparing it to, say, uh, 1931. Um, I, I'm busy trying to uh, reconcile. But, of course, obviously what we had now is a safety net. In 1931, the banks all go. 1932, uh, banking holiday. 1933, we figure out that uh, we need a bunch of programs to put people to work it, versus uh, unemployment insurance and J-PAL printing money. So uh, but today is a day where we're seeing the new cores and the uh, caterpillars battle the Procter and Gambles. And uh, and I've right. got to tell you, I'm, my money's on the Proctors. But, you know, Jim, if a week ago or eight trading days ago, I'd said, all right, go long Wells Fargo and short Peloton. I'm not sure you would have done that, but that would have that would have been the most stupid well. thing in the world. And also correct. Right, but. Yeah, and also Charlie correct. Shore. I mean, Wells Fargo, we, we were watching that stock. It had a 9% plus, 9 plus percent yield a couple of weeks ago. Now it's down to 7.2%, of course, given the move up in the price. Now Charlie's up on the buy. Wells, and right? the overall rebound in the banks. Well, yeah. look, Jamie Dimon came out and said V is for victory. I mean, he didn't say it's going to be a W. He didn't say it's going to be a U. He didn't say it's going to be a swoosh. Uh, he, he, he didn't even say it was going to be an Amazon. He said it was going to be a V. And when you have a V, you got to sell Peloton and you got to buy um, uh, Royal Norwegian Carnival, which, by the way, there ain't no stopping those stocks now. But isn't it getting tired? Isn't, aren't the airlines getting tired when American has to lay off 30% of the people, even though they're kind of not really supposed to be laying off anybody because they took the Fed money? But I know they're doing buyouts. And uh, what is that about? Yeah, layoffs at American and more significant layoffs at Boeing as well, beyond the 2,500 voluntary bye. yesterday we heard about in the morning. A lot more behind that as well at Boeing. I mean, the, the numbers are, you know, are getting to be fairly large, at least in these industries, Carl, that have been so hard hit, of course, 
uh, travel and leisure being the key ones. Oh, my God, travel and leisure. And yet, yeah. you know, you hear, you hear Moynihan say they're really not that spending. They spend that much. I, I find that what's most daunting is that they're half of everything. I mean, I have a friend right now who's doing a, 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 a cruise in the Grand Canyon. And everything's half, meaning not half off, but Marriott's only allowed to be, like, say, half full. I mean, everything's in half. How do you make as much money when you can only have half your customers? I mean, it's the government by fiat telling you you're going to make 50 percent less. And, of course, the way leverage works, your expenses don't go down, uh, but your, uh, the amount of money you take in, revenues, goes down big. And, and this is the problem I have with trying to understand how this market's going to resolve itself, because unless you have a Dollar Tree, Dollar General, you, your revenues are going down big and your expenses are staying the same. And that's not a recipe for good numbers. But right now, good numbers don't matter that much. They somehow don't yeah, matter. UN's got, a, UN's got a report on international tourism, guys, which they say will drop uh, 70% this year. Uh, it's the biggest drop since they started taking records back in the, the 1950s, which sort of leads you, Jim, to uh, domestic travel, right? I mean, I'm sure you've seen the Google search trends, searches for Yosemite and uh, national parks are through the roof. And now we got MGM and Wynn sort of laying out their Vegas plans. But if you read the Wynn plan, by the way, read the Wynn plan. It's extraordinary. And they bring in the Johns Hopkins guys. I was questioning, uh, I, I was very worried about airflow because as a restaurant owner, there was a very bad CDC piece put out about how if you have the airflow done the wrong way, uh, patient one gives it to patient four. But Matt Maddox brings in Johns Hopkins, comes up with a terrific plan to save win and make you feel like you could go to win and do some gambling and be safe. And I, I think it'll work. But remember, again, you need crowds. A lot of a lot of businesses need crowds. And I think that when you look at what the good thing that Dr. Fauci has been talking about over and over again is, is social distancing. Uh, and that means no crowds. So I don't know how you have very have no crowds with businesses that need crowds. Uh, I, I haven't been able to figure it out yet. Um, Jim, one of the strongest performers this morning uh, is the pharmaceutical sector. Of course, Recession. we talked earlier this week about Merck. Uh, when they, you know, uh, made some moves in terms of vaccines and, and therapeutics. But Merck, Pfizer, J&J, uh, Lilly, of course, which has just been an a, a incredibly strong performer, right. up over 12 percent this year, is also up yet again. Not sure why the move is being made, but that is certainly one of the strongest That's the uh, areas of the market recession trade right coming now. back, David. I mean, look, it's not, it's, not the, uh, it's not the vaccine trade. Because Lilly is mostly diabetes and, no. uh, and uh, immuno, uh, and it's not the testing phase. It's really, you know, how's Moderna doing? Is anybody selling there today? It was a good opportunity. See, because it's, oh, Moderna's up four. Get your broker on the phone. Yeah, do a little up. selling there. I'm talking about the executives, not the owners. I'm still reeling from that chief, the, the selling there. I, I've never seen anything like it. And I know it may have been planned. But you know what? You can plan uh, something that's not right. And they have a lot to answer for. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on that story until I actually see someone answer it. I mean, it, 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 it's just not something that should have happened. It just shouldn't have happened. Right. It wasn't right. Uh, not to say that there isn't a chance that the vaccine will prove effective. I mean, I know it was eight people. Uh, we're waiting, obviously, for a far larger sample right. size, Jim. But... 
you know, there are those who do believe the mRNA, the technology itself will prove effective, that you will have a vaccine in some fashion that is at least uh, quite helpful. Well, you don't um, you don't come on and be really enthusiastic and do a huge media blitz. You, you speak softly like a J&J that's doing incredible stuff. Yep. When you talk to J&J yep. about it, you know, they're like, just say, listen, you got to speak to this Harvard professor, really understand. They speak to the Harvard professor and he lectures you about how dumb you are. And that's OK. I can handle that. I was told that at Harvard myself, so I got a little extra dose. Uh, but I, I do feel that the stocks that are going up in the drug group are the ones that just say, listen, we're going to have a recession. Enough with the, uh, with, the not, with, with the reopening trade, because in the end, it's too far too fast. And I think it is too far too fast. By the way, Pfizer is quietly in the lead, I understand, with the vaccine. And Glass is offering some good stuff. Uh, I know. Th- well, uh, Themis, uh, which we heard about earlier in the week with Merck guys, uh, the CEO this morning said a couple things. One, no geographic uh, preferential treatment in terms of uh, vaccine distribution. Uh, clinical trials uh, would begin soon in France and Belgium and then move on to the U.S. But Merck's up uh, 2%. Jim, I, I want to turn you quickly to housing because Toll did report... Um, and you, you, you ask whether it's a counter-urban trade because we thought about toll in many ways in the last few years as an urban trade. Right, I know, because toll did all these fantastic projects. We see them in New York. They're all, they ring New York City, and of course they're in Brooklyn and Hoboken. I'll tell you, toll was up $2. Now toll, the call's going on. It was up $2 uh, last night, and all in one figure, and the figure was up 13% in May. Uh, and that that's really rather extraordinary. Uh, people feel the, that the rates are working, low rates. But this counter urban trade is uh, really fear of uh, fear of virus. And as long as there's fear of virus, there will be people who say, you know what, I'm done with urban. Uh, I don't know how long that lasts uh, it, for about as long as the. I don't know. People don't fly. I mean, I think that what does matter is that the rates are so low. People feel if this is a once in a lifetime opportunity because a lot of housing is depressed. There's some real buys out there. And, and also, on Doug, Doug Yearly is fantastic CEO. He does point out there's not a lot of there's not a lot of uh, inventory. But what is there of inventory is actually down a little bit. I don't know. I think that housing, the main number is extraordinary. I didn't expect it to be up that big. A lot of people shopping for houses. Pent-up demand is what we keep hearing. No kidding. What, mortgage apps up six straight weeks? Incredible. Uh, I mean, we we talk about high-frequency data, V-shapes in in high-frequency data, uh, but, I mean, everyone points to mortgage apps, purchase apps, uh, more than anything else right now. Yeah, I mean, look, it's strong in keeping with what Brian Moynihan said, uh, in keeping with the rally in Wells, uh, which is uh, mortgage mortgage centric. Oh, Wells taking a little bit of a breather here. Um, still yield seven point four, David. But I, I do think that, yeah. that housing is surprising. Uh, spending is surprising. Balance sheet is surprising. The ability of companies to be able to raise capital when they shouldn't be is surprising. Uh, the big omni-channel move is surprising, uh, and that's what's made it so that the hedge funds who made these horrendous bets against this market are just have to be reeling. They just have to be reeling. They just got the wrong side of the trade. Well, a lot of them, Jim, took risk off, but I don't know that a lot of them were actually short. Uh, A handful were, certainly. We've heard from some people who are quite negative around the very bottom uh, of the market. But, you know, I think what you may see more is underperformance as opposed to actual significant declines. Uh, that that seems reasonable. I just keep going back to the reverberation of the 
of the hedge funds that came on. And, and I, you know, that is, I don't even know if it's fair that Stan Druckenmiller was painted with that brush because I wasn't at the economic club. Uh, I, Ray Dalio is so smart uh, that you almost have to take your if you don't pay attention to Ray Dalio, uh, I think you're pretty foolish. Book pretty good, too. Uh, but there yeah, was but great, con- great. Well, the rich people who came on were very scared. How about that for the correct generalization? Yeah, but they may they may still be and they may have reason to be. I mean, all right. So we've had this incredible move uh, from the bottom. We've talked about it. We've talked about the divergence between the real economy and the stock market and so many other things. Here it is. The S&P, Jim, is three thousand forty two. I mean, it's a number that I think many people might not have anticipated we would see again for quite some time, even if, even six weeks ago. Uh, but is this a number uh, indicative of where the market is that you tell people come in now? The water's safe. Well, you, you just had a vicious rotation. You could come into workday uh, as of now, still even up to 12 because the stock is down 50 points from its high. And in Neil Bush, we basically laid out a long term course. But let's talk about Disney for a second. And I don't want to talk about the actual firm that downgraded because that's kind of insignificant. But if you look at Disney and Carl, this is something I really need your help on. Let's say you're opening a slow opening of, of parts of Disney. That has taken the stock from 90 to 120. <laughs> now, is that a slow opening where we have no te- take your temperature? That's the biggest ruse of all, right? Taking temperature. What does that mean? The people who give you the disease are the people who have no temperature, but they take temperature. You right. need blood uh, tests. Um- I'm laughing because uh, Jim's referring to a downgrade out of Imperial today. We don't talk about them very much, but they go to underweight. And, Jim, they say it's up 20 percent in a few weeks because of Disney Springs, which we admittedly can say is immaterial to the income statement. Um, and, and there, but their yes. argument is that you uh, want to trade it, not own it, which I think goes I, I counter like to that. your more secular views. Oh, I mean, look, Disney's going to be open someday. Lot, look, let's not forget, a lot of stocks are going up because they survived. And if we and if the viruses uh, it, it didn't come back and you remember a lot of states open, there were a lot of naysayers, then you know, survival, we get to the a bridge with the unemployment and then the economy really does open. And some of these companies are deserving of where, where where they're selling. So, I mean, I get that. I, I get that. I, I think it makes sense. And now that Dr. Fauci, who, again, I mean, he is still the expert. Dr. Fauci said it may not be bad this fall. Well, let's just get to the fall and a lot of people can do OK. Yeah, let's let's hope we don't become Brazil, which is increasingly uh, a topic of discussion, too. Let's check in with Rick Santelli, who brought us uh, all the data this morning. Not much of it. Good. Hey, Rick. Well, not much of it was good, but the market thinks otherwise. Look at an intraday of 10s. After the day to hit, yields moved up a bit. You know, is the asset class and the fixed income sovereign the safest? That's where all the nervous people go, and we should be nervous, but we should be less nervous because they seem to be leaving. Look at a chart mid-March of 30-year bonds. They look to be closing at a 10-week high today. I think a lot of the people globally that were buying some of these sovereigns have moved into the equity markets because it's an unloved space, but you still can cash a check if it's been long since mid-March. And if you look at 10-year in particular on the French side, this is really revealing. Look at the 10-year oat. Now, this is a month-to-date chart. There's been two sessions all of May. 
so far that have closed above zero. And by above zero, one was 0.004 and one was 0.002. We want to watch because they're going to be throwing $2 trillion into the system. My guess is, much like many global markets, the equity markets are going to take off and rates are going to start to move up a bit. Hint, hint, they cash your checks even if it doesn't make economic sense. And finally, the euro versus the dollar now closing at a two-month high, which means the dollar index is closing at a two-month low. Carl, Jim, David. Back to you. All right, Rick, we'll see you in a little bit. Uh, so S&P 3039 is off the initial bounce, uh, but we are still hanging in above the 200-day moving average, which at this stage is about 3,001. We're back in a moment. Apple is upping the ante on movies. The Journal this morning reports that the company has nabbed Martin Scorsese's next film, Killers of the Flower Moon, starring Leo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Apple, of course, beating out Netflix, which produced his last film, The Irishman. Jim, we're back to... uh we're back to intellectual property in the movie business uh, and some of these bidding wars. It's so funny. Uh, Apple likes to start slow. They want to be sure they get it right. That's not unusual for them. And now we see them coming on with the Tom Hanks movie with this. Uh, they're going to be a major force. They're going to be major in podcasts. They're going to be major in movies. They have the m- more firepower than anybody. Obviously, they're, they're making this as part of that service revenue stream that they realize has such great gross margins. Uh, this is very important, and I'm glad we're talking about it because uh, this, this must have been a jump ball, Carl. And the jump ball went to the guy who had the most money. And that's a big, big change because someone was playing with borrowed money. The other guy's playing with cash. Um, yeah, that's a good you know, point. It uh, reminds David, me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me, Carl, of uh, my interview with John Malone last November, I guess. We sat down for our annual interview and he talked about. Remember, Jim, he talked about optionality when he talked right. about Apple and their efforts here. He said, you know, they're not they're sort of testing the waters. They're going to see they're going to be deliberate, but they are going to make moves based on what they see in terms of consumer response. And clearly, Clearly, they are starting to spend more money. Right. We've seen that in terms of also filling out their library a bit, bidding mm-hmm. here. And then this will, of course, once again raise that, uh, that question that everybody loves to ask. Will they actually look to make an acquisition of some kind in this area? Seminal I still interview. say that likelihood seems, seems small, but, uh, but it is interesting to note what Apple's doing here. Yeah. Uh, we'll watch uh, the Dow here, guys. Uh, Boeing is in the lead, along with a uh, few of the pharma names, Merck, Pfizer, J&J, UNH as well, and Procter. So a mix of defense and, and Boeing stuck right in there. Back in a moment. S&P is being led this morning by Dollar Tree, uh, up almost 19% for the week to date. We're going to talk to Gary Philbin later on this morning about their comp number of uh, seven. We were looking for only 4-4 when Squawk on the Street continues in a few moments. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Been waiting for this. William Blair upgrades to today. Why? Well, of course, it's an election year. That's when the farmers do best. I had Corteva earlier this week. That's the largest seed company. Uh-uh, they don't do as well. You buy equipment, you get the check from the government, you buy equipment, you vote for the incumbent. So there you go. Buy dear. Yeah, I thought the interesting call. Uh, Bloomberg did have a piece, Jim, that China's buying some soy from the Brazilians. Uh, who knows, right? But their commitment is to buy more from us. Yeah, I'm calling that relationship suboptimal. <laughs> uh, 
What's on Mad tonight? Okay, I got Zebra, which has, uh, when you go into a uh, test center, you, you know, in the uh, drive-through test center, that's Zebra technology. PayPal, Dan Schulman, hero to many, incredible. He's passed all the banks. And then Benioff, a lot to talk about with him. He's going to report earnings. He's got work.com. You're right about the you know, channel checks. Are people worried? And, of course, maybe we throw in a question about uh, Twitter and Facebook. Why not? Yeah, uh, and media, of course, time yep. and all the, all the rest, Jim. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.